This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. January is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. It's important to learn early indicators of the disease. Danielle Valone is a medical science PhD candidate at the University of Calgary. She's identified five behaviors that might warrant further attention. Hey, Daniela, thank you for making a little bit of time today to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. I, I'm curious what led you to this research, why you wanted to explore this. Yeah, so um, I primarily wanted to explore it because my grandma, um, just before she passed away, she also had Alzheimer's disease. And so um, that's kind of what led me into my research. Um, so I, I honestly, when I started, I really wanted to look at different like biomarkers and things like that. Um, and my supervisor, he was actually part of a team that led what was called like the mild behavioral impairment checklist, which was kind of a checklist that um, people could use to kind of screen for these behaviors that might be early indicators of dementia. Um, and so I became really interested in that. In a lot of these cases, these strike me as fairly common behaviors. So, so let's run through them a little bit. Apathy, what's some insight as to why apathy might be an early concern? Yeah, so um, that's actually the domain that I study uh, the most. That's where my research is in. So apathy is kind of like a lack of interest, initiative, and emotional reactivity. Um, it is different than than depression itself, um, but it has been found to be associated um, both, both cross-sectionally um, and longitudinally with uh, dementia progression. Um, so people who have apathy um, after the age of 50 years of age are more likely um, to develop dementia later in life. This next one probably requires a little bit of explanation or definition. Effective dysregulation. Yeah, so effective dysregulation um, describes like mood and anxiety symptoms. So um, people who are sad or tearful, um, they become less able to experience pleasure or feel like they're a failure. Um, and they might just be a little bit more anxious or worried about things that they normally might not have. So like appointments or events. What about impulse control? How does imp impulse control end up being an early indicator? Yeah, so impulse uh, discontrols the inability to delay gratification. So um, somebody might become more easily agitated than they used to be, um, or aggressive or irritable. Um, they might become more impulsive or act recklessly. So maybe they tend to speed more um, than they used to, um, or they just become a little bit more rigid. So they're maybe unwilling to see different people's points of view um, and just stay very focused on what they believe to be right. What about the behavior of being socially inappropriate? Uh, th this one concerns me because I can sometimes cut a, cut a hot take when I'm at the bar. Yeah. So um, when somebody is uh, socially inappropriate, the way that we define it according to the MBIC or that checklist that I was talking about earlier is that the person might be less concerned about how their actions or their words actually affect others. So it might look like a little bit insensitive. Um, they might also talk openly about personal matters that 
they probably wouldn't have usually discussed previously or um, they wouldn't normally discuss in public. Um, they might also like lack social judgment. So they behave or say things that they wouldn't uh, normally do in public. The final early indicator indicator that's been identified is to monitor abnormal perceptions or thoughts. What are some examples of that? Yeah, so this domain can also be described as psychosis, and maybe people are a little bit more familiar with this one, but it's somebody who's developed beliefs that um, that they're in danger or that people are stealing their belongings or that they're going to be harmed. Um, they might develop like a suspiciousness of, of people around them um, or question the motives or intentions of those people. Um, it might also be that the person hears or claims to hear or see things that aren't really there. Daniela, I know this isn't necessarily the scope of your research, but mm -hmm. certainly if someone were listening or watching today and thinking, oh gosh, like I, I might represent a couple of these things, what's something proactive that, that, that they should sort of take immediate action on? Because I know there's no official treatments necessarily for dementia and Alzheimer's, but there are, there are ways of preventing uh, the progression. Sure, yeah. So the first thing that I would say is um, to see a physician, um, just because a physician would be able to, um, you know, use assessments to determine whether or not there is any concern or need for concern. Um, but in terms of prevention, um, I would say that a healthy diet um, is definitely something that goes a long way. So in order to prevent dementia, eating those leafy greens, sticking with like the Mediterranean diet, eating lots of fish, um, those are things that uh, you can do. Exercise is really, really important. Um, so ensuring that you are performing cardiovascular activity um, and like strength and, or weight training. Um, also sleeping. So sleeping is like a largest factor if you don't have enough sleep. I think between at least seven to eight hours of sleep a day, it does change depending on your age. But um, these are just some things that you can do um, to prevent to prevent dementia. Hey, Daniela, really grateful for your time today. Thank you for all the work that you and your colleagues are putting into this research. Uh, keep up the great work and please stay in touch. Would love to touch base with you again down the road. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. That's Daniela Vallone. Daniela is a medical science PhD candidate at the University of Calgary. Let's switch gears here. There's no elegant way to do this, but let's bring in Laura Bain for the entertainment report. Laura, there's the, Laura, there's a little bit of exciting news here uh, in terms of uh, the Junos in 2025. Yeah, that's right. So it's been announced that the uh, 2025 Genos are going to be happening in Vancouver at the Rogers Arena on March 30th, 2025. So they're going all the way from the East Coast this year and headed to the West Coast next year. Uh, we don't know yet who's going to be the host, but as soon as we know, of course, we will share it with all of our lovely audience. Right on. Hey, it's, that that's one of the cool things about the Junos. It really does make its way around the country and it just breathes that life. You and I had that conversation a few weeks ago about what it's going to do to the Halifax region with in terms of concerts and series all around it. It really does breathe musical life into a city. It's fantastic. Yeah, it sure, it sure does. All right, let's uh, stay in the music theme here. Amazon Prime has a new movie dropping today called The Underdogs with Snoop Dogg. Yeah, that's right. It's a new sports comedy movie uh, featuring Snoop Dogg and uh, co-produced by Snoop Dogg. As you mentioned, it's called The Underdogs. And so it's about 
a character, Jason 2Js Jennings, uh, which is played by Snoop Dogg. He's a former pro footballer whose career has kind of taken a bit of an unfortunate turn. And then he's sentenced to coach a youth football team as part of his community service. Now, I believe we have a trailer to play, which you're going to do some setup on. Yeah, I've got to do a little bit of described video on this one because we just pulled it up this morning. So inside a courtroom, a judge gives a ruling on Snoop Dogg's character who's wearing a neck brace. He's then seen speeding down a Long Beach road and pulls into a football field. He interacts with a junior football team sitting at the bleachers. You pled guilty to charges of speeding and damage to city property. I'm recommending community service with the Long Beach Recreations Department. I thought I was getting like some Martha Stewart kind of treatment. You too good for the community that raised you. From the depths of the sea, back to the black snoop doggy dog, I am football legend Jason 2Js Jennings, your new head coach. Legend. Let me get a picture with y'all real quick for Twitter. Some of y'all gonna get some girlfriends with this right here. Laura, you and I have talked before about how much I I love Snoop Dogg. Like, I love him as a musician. I like him as an actor. I like him as a broadcaster. Just a huge fan of Snoop all the way around. And, like, the premise here is, you know, a tried-and-true premise of a lot of movies. You know, think the Mighty Ducks uh, 30 years ago or so. But I think what's cool here is that Snoop actually runs a community football program like this in Long Beach. So there's a little bit of an autobiographical connection as well with Snoop as a community builder in his community. Yeah, there sure is. And uh, apparently he drew on that experience, as you would imagine, for the film, including like encountering some well-meaning but foul-mouthed coaches. Uh, <laughs> so there's uh, definitely some swearing in this. I guess it was actually hard for them to find child actors whose parents would let them be in this film because of all the swearing. So this may not be one to watch with the kids. <laughs> um, another kind of autobiographical part of this is that it's actually filmed and features like Snoop Dogg's former high school, Long Beach Poly Highs. So that part is kind of cool. Now, I went on to scope this out right before the segment so I could tell folks, of course, if it had audio description. I couldn't find it on Amazon Prime, although everything is saying it is supposed to be released today. So I don't know what the delay is, but... Uh... <laughs> Folks can, can look for that, and if they don't see it, maybe just check back tomorrow. I don't know, but what do you think, Dave? Is this one uh, you're going to add to your watch later list? I, I actually think this is one that I that I might consume here. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to consume happier content here of late, Laura, because I find there's a lot of darkness in the real world and a lot of darkness out there in general, and I kind of feel like this is one that's going to put a smile on my face. Not dissimilar to a movie that I saw last night. I went to the theater to go see the remake of Mean Girls. Oh, very, very nice. Yeah. So, what what did you think of that? I haven't seen it yet. Was it was it fetch as they say? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely fetch. I love the callback there, Laura. I, I think I've told you before. I, I loved the original version of Mean Girls. I saw it in theaters a couple different times. I've watched it on cable pretty much any time it pops up. I, the source material is excellent, and this movie did a great job of respecting the source material while still bringing it into a much more modern story more diverse casting, more diverse actors, some more complex themes being explored while still keeping the heart of the story. And Laura, the songs and the music and the choreography incredible I, it, it was a it was a one minute and 45 uh, one hour and 45 minute giggle fest for me. I had a delightful time going to see it at the theaters last night. 
Oh, that's wonderful. And it's a musical, right? It this is. Version it of is. It? Yeah. yeah. So you're, are you being won over to the musical genre? <laughs> hey, I was a theater kid. I was a theater kid in high school. I used to, I, I played Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls back in the day in grade 10. I, I'm not, I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater of, of the musicals, but I will, I will offer one last piece of praise here on the way out the door though, Laura. Uh, Tina Fey. Uh, it was the original writer on uh, Mean Girls and Tina Fey, of course, of 30 Rock fame, Saturday Night Live. She also uh, features in, in this particular iteration of the story. You and I were talking about Jon Stewart yesterday as sort of like these voices of a generation or the last couple of decades in the context of late night television. I don't think you can have that conversation without talking about someone like Tina Fey because I think she's been she's been on point with almost everything she's done for the better part of 20 years and and she's just tremendous. She's she's probably one of the most well-rounded people in all of Hollywood and one day if Lorne Michaels, the executive producer of Saturday Night Live ever stepped down, I think she would be the perfect candidate to step in and take on that role. Yeah, I think that's probably a good choice. I think she has an autobiography out there or a book that I actually listened to. I, I can't always, I can't remember. My my memory is not as good as Dave Brown's, but I'm sort of <laughs> recalling listening to her, listening to her memoir and it being very funny. So yeah, she's, I agree. She's yeah. uh, really funny. Totally brilliant. Anyway, Mean Girls, if you get the chance, if you're looking for maybe a date night, something to do, certainly worth checking out uh, if, uh, if if you're if you're at all interested. I, 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 th I think it was worth the money. Uh, but but I but I also love going to the movie theater. Like going to the movie theater fills me with total joy. Yeah, well, you know, choices for the weekend. You want to stay at home and catch a little Snoop uh, Snoop Dogg, and maybe <laughs> indulge in some recreational uh, substances. There, you have that choice, or you can go uh, go to the theater and check out Mean Girls. Either way, you're getting some levity, which is something I I also really appreciate in the content I consume. Yeah, there there might have been some recreation uh, before Mean Girls last night. Uh, Laura, I gotta go. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> That's Laura Bain with the Entertainment Report. Coming up after the break, Alex Smythe has a musical question to bring to the round table. But first, another big car company is expanding their electric fleet. Mike Dubusky zooms in for another edition of Tech Trends. From ABC News Tech Trends. News fully electric Porsche Macan. The Porsche Macan is now all electric. Please do not call it the Macan EV. That will be something that Porsche will have to correct a lot of people on because it is the only Macan. EV Pulse Editor-in-Chief Chad Kirshner says the current gas-powered Macan is Porsche's best-selling model. It is their small SUV crossover. The new electric Macan is a little lower and longer than the outgoing model. Model, and in top-spec turbo trim, it's quicker, too. That's a 3.1 seconds to 60, which is insane. Also quick, charging. 10 to 80% charging in 21 minutes, which is pretty quick. That's at a speed up to 270 kilowatts. That's because of the company's latest premium electric platform. The base model Macan 4 starts just over 80 grand. The turbo model is over 100. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books. 
where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.